All right, good afternoon, guys. It's a blessing to be here. It's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful privilege to uh, be teaching something that is very, very heavy, um, the Antichrist. We are going to talk about the Antichrist. The title of the study is The Antichrist or The Antichrist Revealed. Um, before I go into this topic, just, just, I, I was going to say this at the end, but maybe I should say this now. Um, this is a very, very, like I said, a crucial, somewhat offensive topic for some people. And we need to take some, some cautions before we actually give this study. Am I, guys in, am I, am I in, your, in your way or am I just right? All right, first of all, Revelation chapter 14, verse 6. It says, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having... The everlasting gospel. It says there that the angel, what does the angel have? The everlasting gospel. And he has it. The angel has it. Most of us, just like I was back then, I know how to get to the conclusion without knowing how to get there. Do you guys get what I'm trying to say? I know how to tell, I know who the, the, the Antichrist is, but I don't know how to show it in my Bible. Okay? Now, the thing is, in order for us to give out the three angels' messages, we need to have it. And with the, the hour that, that this Bible boot camp is going to give me, it's not going to give me enough time to actually go point by every single point about the Antichrist. You guys have to study that on your own. Second point is Desire of Ages, page 826. Desire of Ages, page 826. It says, The wonderful love of Christ will subdue and melt hearts when the mere reiteration of doctrines can accomplish nothing. Before sharing this, put it in your minds that Christ loves everyone. Christ died for everybody. And that the Antichrist is a system, not a special person that we're up against. It's a system that Satan uses to deceive people Therefore, when he deceives the people, he gets to use the people. All right? He loves the people that are in this system, that are being deceived in this system, that have been deceived by this system. Christ loves them. All right? Put that in your head so that at least we won't come out so offensive. And then you point them out that, look, there's a lot of things about the Antichrist. There's a lot of Things that they say about the Antichrist. A lot of things. Have you ever heard that, that even David Hasselhoff, they think that David Hasselhoff was the Antichrist? That's hilarious when I first found that out. And then, you know, the moment you, you step in the house, when you're going to give the Bible study, for example, we're, we're all studying with Bob. We're all going to give a study, a study with, to Bob, okay? You go, you go in and you say, Bob, today we're going to start, we're going to study about the Antichrist. And the purpose of the Antichrist is to show that Antichrist will be a counterfeit of Christ. And he will attempt to lead God's people astray. And then Bob says, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard about the Antichrist. My mom says he's Barack Obama. My mom says he's David Hasselhoff. So first of all, you, you, you just got to give it right away. Say, okay, we're going to study the Antichrist based on what the Bible says, not on what other people say. Okay, and I apologize. I wasn't here for uh, the, the last two meetings I wanted to come, you know, so at least I won't repeat myself. I might be repeating myself when giving tips and stuff, you know, when, when giving Bible studies and stuff. So first of all, I would walk in. We'd say, okay, the study is Antichrist or Daniel chapter 7 or Revelation chapter 13. 
And then you give the purpose to show that the Antichrist will be a counterfeit of Christ. I like using the board. So um, if, if you're a person who can't see it from your place, just, just come closer, okay? I won't mind that. To show that the Antichrist will be a counterfeit of Christ and he will attempt to lead God's people astray. To center it, of course, we have to center it in Christ. Center it is Christ is our Savior. And in this prophecy, we are warned of his counterfeit. I'll repeat that again so for, for you guys to be able to take notes. Christ is our Savior, and in this prophecy, we are warned of his counterfeit. That's the center it. Okay? So always center it in Christ. In Christ, the wonderful love of Christ. One more time, my brother over here says, Christ is our Savior, and in this prophecy, we are warned of his counterfeit. All right, did everybody get that? Uh, if you don't, just, just ask me later on, okay? So you can start off this study by saying, look, knowing the Antichrist, this is your opening statement to the study. Look, knowing the Antichrist will not get you salvation. That's the beginning of your, that's the beginning of your study. Knowing the Antichrist will not, be, will not give you salvation because we know as Seventh-day Adventists, who's the only one who gives us salvation? Through Jesus Christ. Through Jesus Christ. So you can open it with that. But see, there's something about the Antichrist that, that can actually... Um, Move us out of this salvation. So notice with me, let's open our Bibles to John chapter 17, verse 3, which is the first text, and I gave you an advanced text. Whenever I use parentheses, that means um, it's just, you know, extra ammos. You go in there, if you go in there and give a Bible study, you're only, like, you only have like eight verses that you know on your head, and then... All of a sudden, they, they throw you questions and stuff. Well, can you find that again in the Bible? Well, we have another verse. Okay, extra ammo. You need extra bullets when you actually go in there. That's actually the same thing that we just talked about. Have it. You have the extra ammo in you. Okay? So if, what does John chapter 17, verse 3 say? And um, read it if you get there before me. All right, let's try that again. Go ahead. Okay. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. All right. What I want you guys to get in this verse, the principle that we're trying to get in this verse is, what does the word is mean? It just basically means equal. Is, it means equal. Notice it. Notice it with me. And this is life eternal. What, what is life eternal? Knowing Jesus Christ. That's what I want you guys to get there. Uh, that, I mean, you can just write that down on your um, notes. Knowing Jesus Christ is life eternal. Okay, so in essence, having a, a, a relationship with Jesus Christ is life eternal. Now, how does that, how, what in the world does that do with the Antichrist theme? Well, the thing is, the Antichrist is a counterfeit of Christ. It will try to imitate Christ, that in a way, it will get you out of life eternal. Okay, and then you'll see it clearly. We'll see, you know, we'll see it more clearly. First um, John chapter 5, verse 12, just, that's just extra ammo. Do you guys know, do you guys know what that is? Um, I believe that's, um, he that has the Son has life, and he does not, that does not have the Son does not have life. Okay, so that's what we want from that, from that verse. 
And then to, to, to you know, we, we, we call this um, transitional phrase. To transition from one verse to the other, our transitional v- phrase, you need it, if you, especially if you're going to a different thought. So now, basically, you can just say, all right, I want you to notice what Paul says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4. I mean, chapter 2, verse 1, and 1 through 4. Okay? So did you get that? Number one, knowing the Antichrist is important because it's a counterfeit of Christ. And Christ is eternal life. So if you have the counterfeit, you think you have eternal life, but you don't. Are we one with that? Are we one? If, you, if we are, say, please say Amen. Amen. All right, now let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, and uh, I believe we... Go ahead, brother. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to Him, we ask you not to be soon shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or word or by letter, as if from us, as though the day of Christ has come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is, ex- that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. All right, thank you, brother. Wonderful. Um, now you can review him. If you're following the format of this Bible boot camp from the beginning, Going down, we talked about this in, in um, the Word of God study, I believe, if not the Great Controversy study. Then you, could, you can review this to the person you're studying with. You say, okay, we, we've been th- through this verse before, and I, rem- I, I remember telling you um, that this is talking about the Antichrist. Okay? The word man of sin there, and um, you can just tell them um, every single scholar knows that that man of sin is the Antichrist. They relate that, that, that man of sin, that phrase man of sin, that noun man of sin as the Antichrist. Okay, but, but let's, let's break this verse down really quick. I want you to notice verse 3, and the, the word is falling away. Falling away. And if you're marking your Bible, I would mark falling away because you want to point that out. What does that word falling away mean? You can ask them that. They'll, they'll give an answer. If they give you the right answer, you say, good, good job. You, you got the right answer, okay? But if they don't, you explain it to them. Th- that word falling away, uh, in Greek, this is for you guys, not when you're giving Bible studies to someone. Sometimes you give them Greek jargon and they think they can't read the Bible for themselves anymore. Do you guys get what I'm saying? You tell them, no, you have to understand Greek and Hebrew. Wait, wait a minute, I don't even understand English. Why, why, why are you going to tell me to understand? Why, why are you going to tell me to um, read, I mean, no Greek and Hebrew? So, you tell them that that word falling away, it kind of, it, it, it denotes this meaning, being divorced. Falling away, divorced. Now, the principle that we're trying to get here is that falling away, it means, um, question, question. Can you fall away from something if you weren't really there? No, right? Can you be divorced to someone if you, weren't, if you were never married? No. Okay, that means this person is actually closer to Christ. And then you point them out to, to I, know, I know I'm going too fast. Then you point them out to verse um, 4. Wait, I mean verse 3. I mean verse 3 still. The last word of verse 3. And then notice there is this, this phrase called son of perdition. So I would mark that in my Bible. Son of perdition. And it's interesting 
that that phrase is only used one more time in the Bible. And that word is used to describe who? Judas. You can find that in John chapter 17. Okay, and usually when you're studying, when you're studying with someone, they know the, the, the attitude, they know what happened in regards to Judas. Okay, he betrayed Jesus Christ. Then you just explain it to him. Okay, so this was you. The manner that, that they were describing this man of sin is through Judas. Now, what's, what's, what's so important about this? Well, basically, you ask them, well, was Judas violently opposing Jesus Christ? No. And then you can ask them, was Judas actually, at some point in his life, a true disciple of Jesus Christ? Yes. Yes, so in the same manner, this man of sin, this son of perdition or destruction or lawlessness, depends on your translation, um, is describing this Antichrist figure as a, a Christian institution, somewhat closer to Christ. Are we, are we, one, are we one with that? All right, I, I see some heads nodding. And then... You describe, all right, so son of perdition, Judas, that's, how, that's, that's all I would have in my notes. Um, you know, trust the Holy Spirit. You know the things that we're saying over here? Um, you think you might forget it, but in the time that you need it, since you've heard it, it's stuck in your head, your Holy, the Holy Spirit can use it later on. Okay, and when you get back to it, by the time you're going to be studying this with someone, you're so much better than you are now. You, you, know, you know a lot more than you know now by the time you'll be studying Antichrist to someone else. Okay, I didn't know all this stuff back then, but actually, I, I, I'm a convert. I used to be a Catholic, and this study was the study that, that, that just awed me and, and, and got me. So after that, you explain um, Judas, and then you explain the word Antichrist. Antichrist. The word Antichrist. And mainly the word anti. Sometimes, you know, we, we put so much things in words that they don't really mean that way. The word anti, do you guys know what it means in Greek? Huh? In place of. And then you can point them to the verse. Verse 4. Who opposeth and exalted himself above all, that is called God, or that is worship, so that he as God can substitute himself to be worshipped as God. All right, are we one with that? The word anti basically means substitute. Okay, or in place of. It's not rebelling. It's not violent force. Even though we'll see it later on that, that yes, they appear to be that until, and then they start using violent force. Okay? All right, so basically, and then we go to Acts chapter 20, verse 28 and 30. That's, that's extra ammo. Um, since this is the same guy saying it, you can just say, all right, let's look at his other um, warning. Let's look at another warning of Paul, which is in Acts chapter 20, verse 28 through 30. So these three verses, it's just to, to get you started. These three verses is just to get you started. All right, Acts chapter 20, verse 28 through 30. Go ahead. Therefore, take to yourselves and to all which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he put blood for I know this that after my departure savage wolves will come in among you not sparing the flock also from among 
yourselves, men, will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. All right, beautiful. Beautiful. All right, verse 30. I mean, verse, I'm sorry, verse 28. Um, you can give a little history, a little background. You know, some people does not know their Bibles at all. So you can give a little background. This is a guy named, he's a, he's a disciple of Jesus Christ. He's an apostle. His name is Paul, and he's talking to the leaders of the church. Okay, verse 28, we see that. And actually, he calls these leaders of the church overseers. Do you guys know um, who else is called overseers? Bishops, yes. But, but in other times in the Bible, prophets are also called seers. So meaning he's talking to the leaders of the church. Paul is not only talking to, you know, regular members that come and go. He's talking to the leaders of the church. And notice verse 30. That's what we really want there. Verse 30. Okay? And it says there, Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. So the same manner, the same manner as 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1 through 4. This Antichrist is not opposing Jesus Christ. It's actually coming from within. It's not from without. It's coming from within. Paul says that. He says that also amongst yourselves, there will be people who will be saying perverse things. Amongst the leaders of the church. You can emphasize that. All right, so now that we're done with this, then you get to choose as a, a um, Bible worker, as someone giving Bible study. You can choose to um, end here and then go to this one. Are you, are you guys familiar with um, the prophecy seminars where, where, where they have like, does Jesus Christ have a twin? Yeah, this is the text that you guys can use for that. Okay, I'm not going to go through all this. Um, basically, what this is trying to say is the Antichrist is a loser, a copycat. <laughs> all right? He's, a, he's just a copycatter, hence a, a loser. So, I mean, you know, Matthew chapter 3.16, Jesus Christ, when he started his ministry, he got baptized. He came out of the water. Then he started his ministry. Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, and we saw this beast coming out of the sea, coming out of the water. Then uh, the Antichrist, I mean, Jesus Christ and the Father are one. And then you'll see that, you know, there's an image, spitting image of the beast. And then you'll see um, Jesus Christ, Revelation chapter 5, verse 6, is described with having, crown, having crowns and horns. I mean, Revelation chapter 13, verse 2, I believe, or verse 1, says that this beast has crowns and horns. So it's just, it, it, it goes from there, and I, I'll just say this last. This is what I love. You know, the ministry, Christ's ministry, if you tally it in the book of John, his ministry actually lasted three and a half literal years. This, this Antichrist, dude, he, only la he lasted three and a half prophetic years. That's crazy, huh? So you can choose that. From here, you can tell them, and then you, you can have a, another day to finish up your study on the Antichrist. I think this is, this is amazing. I mean, they'll be like, oh, man, this Antichrist is really trying to co copy Jesus Christ. This is to show that this Antichrist is not just trying to um, counterfeit with, with something that is cheap. You know, he's really counterfeiting Christ. Like, have you ever seen a uh, counterfeit $12 bill? No, no one will see a counterfeit $12 bill because basically there is no such thing as a $12 bill. But you probably have used counterfeit $5 bills that you did not know of. 
I, I have, I have, Carl's Jr. When I used to work there, oh man, it's crazy. All right. Um, and then now we're, we're going to start. We're going to start. Then we'll, we'll, we'll tell them. So after all that, after you did that, if you want to just continue on after this, Acts chapter 20, verse 28 through 30, you can basically explain to them, look, the illustration that we just had, did, have you ever seen counterfeit $12 bill? And they say, no, there's no such thing. All right, but you probably uh, have heard of counterfeit $5 bills. And then now that we know this, let's look at the chapter that unmistakably identify the Antichrist. And then we go to Daniel chapter 7. So your transition, do you, see, do you see it? There's a transition within each verse. You don't just go, all right, let's go to Genesis chapter 1. All right, now we're done with that. Let's go to Exodus chapter 20. You know, it's, it's, it's going to be like, whoa, you're jumping around, man. Like, I don't even know where I'm at. To be a good teacher, um, before you even want to do the study, in order for you to be a good teacher, there's, there's just three things that you have to do. First, you tell them what you are about to tell them. Then, number two, you tell them what it is that you're about to tell them, that you are going to tell them. Then, number three, tell them again what you just told them. Repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Re repetition deepens impression. You know, you, you, you probably do not know this, but if you go to San Diego Zoo, you know, you have the tourist guide. You're riding the tram. Okay, guys, we're going to go tour around the, the safari, and on the right, you will see a lion, and then on the left, you will see a leopard. And then, and then when you're on the tour, it's like, all right, here goes the lion, here goes the leopard. And then afterwards, what did we see today in the safari? We saw a lion on the left, right? A lion on the left, a leopard on the left. All right? Be a good teacher. I learned that from David Asterix. Actually, um, Daniel chapter 7, verse 2. You can give them the background if you want. Use your spiritual discernment if you have to. Sometimes it hinders you if you give the background of the whole thing. You get to start to talk, you, you get to talk about stuff that isn't even re relevant. You know? You, when, 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 sometimes it hinders me when I, when, I, when I give the background. But I mean, use your spiritual discernment if you want to give the background that this, during this time, who is ruling? Do you guys know? Oh, Belshazzar, then you, you just basically what's happened, Daniel is actually a little bit, um, you know, he's not as old, but he's, he's, he probably matured a little bit now. And then you give him the background that in the first year, Belshazzar was racing and this and that, and Daniel had a dream. Okay, or you can tell him, oh, remember Daniel from our study before, Daniel chapter 2? Yeah. Okay, so now we go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 2. Daniel chapter 7, verse 2, can I have a reader? Daniel spoke, saying, I saw in my vision by night, and behold, the four winds of heaven were stirring up the great sea. All right. Well, um, if you don't already know, book, the book of Daniel, the book of Revelations, they fill it up with symbols. Fill it up with a lot of symbols. And uh, sometimes you have to tell them what those symbols mean in order for them to understand it. And there are two things here in Daniel chapter 7, verse 2. Those are... Winds and sea, to somehow see it better, you know, see the whole thing better. Um, winds, you can just straight out tell them, you know, I've, you won't have any trouble, really, if you just tell them, look, the winds in the Bible symbolizes war or strife. But just in case they want a Bible text, then we have Daniel chapter 11, verse 40, and I think I wrote something else. I wrote other verses. Uh, Joshua chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Daniel chapter 11, verse 40, and Joshua chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Basically, we, winds, strife. 
And then the C, you can explain it two ways. Two ways. You know, I, I mean, sometimes people don't know, like, how come, we're, 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 why do we know that it started actually in, in the Mediterranean area? You have your Bibles. Do, do, does anybody have a Bible that have a map on it? You can, find, you can finally use the map in your Bibles. <laughs> All right. My, there's a Bible there, and then there is a word that says great sea. And you can go to Jeremiah chapter 49, verse 36 and 37. And they're talking about this great sea. Revelation chapter 13. Uh, I think that, that's just sea. All right. And then if you notice with me, in your Bible, the great sea, what, what sea is that? Mediterranean Sea. So right then and there, you can pinpoint where this thing is actually happening. All right? And if they're not satisfied with that, you just throw them, um, what verse, Revelation chapter 17, verse 15. Sea means um, multitudes of people. Or, you know, just multitudes. Because sometimes, you know, if you explain Mediterranean Sea and during this time, that's actually the center of, of everything. There's, it's flooded with people. Flooded, flooded, flooded with people. Okay? And then we read on Daniel chapter 7, verse 3. Are we, are we, are we good? Are we good? Do we need to slow down? I think we know this, so we can zoom right through with this. Daniel chapter 7, verse 3. And four great beasts came up from the sea, diverse one from another. All right, Daniel chapter 7, seven verse 3 says that there are beasts. Then you can just question him. Oh, beasts. Now, does that sound familiar to you? He might say no. And then you can just tell him, like, I mean, you know, don't we use beasts sometimes to describe our nations? Like, for example, I'll ask you guys, what does a bald eagle represent? United States. And what does a um, rooster represent? France, there we go. So the same thing. But don't, but, 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 you know, don't go too far because um, you go to Russia, and Russia represents bear, and then you have a bear here. You know, I mean, that bear is not actually inspired. This is inspired. <laughs> All right? You got to make sure. You got to make sure. So, and if they don't want that, you just go to Dan Daniel chapter 7, verse 17. Daniel chapter 7, verse 17. And I think Daniel chapter 7, verse 23 says it too. Does it? I'm not sure. Well, it talks about Fort Beast and then Fort Kingdom. All right, so Daniel chapters 3 correlates with 17 and 13. That's just the beast. Beast, ki kingdom, or nation. And then we go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 4. The first was a lion and had eagle's wings. I beheld till the wings thereof were plucked, and it was lifted up from the earth, and made stand upon the feet as a man, and a man's heart was given, given to, to it. it. All right, thank you. Um, then you throw him that this beast actually is, do we know it? Babylon. This beast is a lion with wings. All right, and we know that by history. You can just basically tell them, look, I, let's read history throughout. And there's a kingdom that actually reigned first among everything, and it's Babylon. Babylon. And notice with me, Babylon is described as a lion with what? With wings. Okay, lion with wings. Now, we don't see that in the zoo, so that's symbolic. Of course, we know that. 
But then, you know, there's something interesting about, about Babylon being described as lion with wings. And do you guys know what an Ishtar gate is? The Ishtar gate. Yes, Ishtar gate is the, the entrance to, to Babylon. And if you actually see what is um, inscribed or what is um, sculpted in Ishtar gates are lions with wings. All right? And if you have trouble, um, I don't know, I did not make any, a lot of copies, but like, have you seen those charts where, where Daniel chapter 2 uh, and Daniel chapter t- 7 are being paralleled? Then you just show him that. Because basically he, 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 he has a background of the, the um, image with the gold, silver, brass, and iron. Okay? And then wings, if you want to go further on that, what does wings represent? It means being swift. It means speed. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 6 and 9. That's, what, that's where you can find the, um, the meaning for wings because we're going to need it later on for the leopard. Okay? And then for transition, if you're reading Daniel chapter 7 contextually, what did I say? Contextually, if you're reading Daniel chapter 7 contextually, each of those kingdoms, the, the last part of the verses talks about the demise of the kingdoms. When, when I say that, the destruction of the kingdom, somehow like the, the weakening of the kingdom before it got taken over. And it talked about the lion standing up as a man. Right? If, see, even if we use it now, if, you ha- if you're a man with a lion's heart, what does that mean? You're brave. You're courageous. But suddenly this lion has a heart of a man, then this lion becomes a coward, which symbolizes the reign of Belshazzar. Okay? Some people say they, they relate this as, you know, uh, the conversion of um, King Nebuchadnezzar. But contextually, contextual reading, contextually reading it, it talks about the demise. It talks about, like, like the Greece divided into four. Talked about the demise, the death of Alexander the Great. Okay? Are we one with that? The bear is somewhat uh, arise and devour much flesh. But we'll go to that. All right, let's go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 5, and let's have a reader. And there before me was a second beast, which looked like a bear. It was raised up on one of its sides, and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth. It was told, get up and eat your fill of flesh. All right, thank you. I'm just writing down Babylon here. Daniel chapter 7, verse 5, the bear, and notice the bear is raised up on one side. It's a, it's a retarded-looking bear. It's, it's, it looks weird. How come, how come it's like, it seems like it's, it's limping, it's got a limp? Well, then you explain to them, because the next kingdom that came is Medo-Persia. Medo-Persia. And the, the, the thing about this kingdom, Medo-Persia, is one is always stronger than the other. They never equaled in power. That's why, like that. First, it was the Medes, and then later on, it was the Persians. Okay, you point that out. So, Bear is the Medes and the Persian Empire. And they were never, never, never separated. It's not the, the, the Medes, the kingdom of Medes, and it's not just the kingdom of Persia. It's always the kingdom of Medes. Medo-Persia, Medes and Persian. Okay, because basically their kings are, I think, nephews and uncles. All right, uh, and then notice with me, you can, you can throw this in too, uh, if you have time. Uh, and it had three ribs in the mouth. 
huh, it has three ribs in the mouth. Seems like it just ate something. And then I read in the history book that before they actually conquered Babylon, they, they, they had to conquer two other kingdoms. And what are those kingdoms? The three ribs represent Egypt, Lydia, and Babylon. Crazy, huh? It's just a parallel, man. All right, and then arise and devour much flesh. That one is, we're still studying about that. But the thing is with a bear, you know what a bear does? I mean, when, when a bear does arise and devour, why does it arise and devour? So that it can hibernate later on. So, I don't know, I, I've, been reading, I've been reading history through this, but the thing is, they were like some, I don't know, in regards to hibernation, it, it does not connect yet with me. So, all right, now let's go to Daniel chapter 7, verse 6. Are you guys clear with that? So your transition from, from, from Babylon to Middle Persian, just basically, all right, let's go, let's, let's see what, what the next kingdom is. Let's see what happened to the next kingdom. Just be casual when you're studying with someone. You don't have to be stiff. So let's go. Next kingdom. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Can I have a reader? Go ahead. After this, I looked, and there was another like a leopard, which had on its back four wings of a bird. The beast also had four heads, and dominion was given to it. Dominion was given to it. All right, thank you. Wonderful. By the way, I forgot. Um, you know, the, Med- the, the, the Medes, the Medo-Persian Empire, and also Greece is actually mentioned in Daniel 8. So do some reading so you can have that extra amos. But it's actually mentioned in Daniel chapter 8. Um, so the next kingdom is represented as Greece. It's a leopard. And um, it has four wings. And we know that, four wi- that wings actually represent speed, being swift and speed. And then, question, is a leopard faster than a bear and a lion? Yes, of course. So it, it, it denotes this tremendous amount of speed. And then you look through history, and we find that Alexander the Great actually conquered from, I believe, from Assyria through India in three years. Something that Babylon took forever to take, took forever when they were trying to take over Judah and Assyria. Something that it took the Middle Persian forever when they were trying to take over Egypt, Lydia, and Babylon. Okay, those, they, they both took, they all took three years. And this guy is just fast. Alexander the Great. And that's why he thought, you know, that's why he died anyways. You know why he died? Because he thought he has conquered all throughout the world and there is nothing anymore to conquer. So he just drunk himself to death. That's how he died. Just, just denoting that speed. And then, um, Again, the demise of this, this um, kingdom is it had four heads. Four heads. So Greece, and then all of a sudden, it had four heads. Now, what does that mean? Well, you explain to them that when Alexander died, Alexander the Great, as we know him as, died, he actually did not have a son who will reign after him. So basically, before he died, he explained to, um, to his generals, look, let my kingdom go to the strongest. But the thing is, you know, when you say that, I mean, everybody's going to try to be the strongest. 
Okay, and there are four, four um, generals who actually tried to take the kingdom over. Number one is Cassander. Number two is Lysimachus. Number three is Ptolemy. And number four is Seleucus. Seleucus. I don't know. <clears throat> Seleucus. So those are, that's what happened to the kingdom. After Alexander died, it got broken into four. It got divided into four. All right. Are we clear with that? And then we will go to our next beast, which is Daniel chapter 7, verse 7 and 24. Go ahead. After that in my vision, at night I looked, and there before me was a fourth beast, terrifying and frightening and very powerful. It had large iron teeth. It crushed and devoured his victims and trampled underfoot whatever was left. It was different from all the former beasts, and it had ten horns. All right. Um, can you read verse 24 for me also, please? The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will rise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. All right. Okay, actually, verse 24 was um, leading towards the, the Antichrist. I'm sorry about that, but, but good job, good job. All right, Daniel chapter 7, verse 7. This beast is different than the, the rest. It's dreadful, it's terrible, it's strong exceedingly, and then it describes it something that hinge, the, the passage, passage hinges on, iron. Iron. And then you remind, try to remind the guy who you're studying with, and this time Bob, Bob, iron. Does that sound familiar? And then he's going to bust out the thing that you gave him, the Daniel chapter 2 study. He's like, oh, look at this. This is iron. Who can it be? But Rome. But Rome. And actually, Rome, when described by scholars, is called iron monarchy. The iron monarchy of Rome. Iron monarchy of Rome. All right, is there anything else that I want to give you guys in regards to that? I just want to make sure I got everything. And then you can, um, you can relate the ten horns, ten toes. Um, it's just a parallel. Just relate all the parallels with them. Um, trying to see if I want something else. And then we read verse 24, I believe. But let me see. Um, let's go to... Tw- Chapter 7, verse 8 first. Chapter 7, verse 8. And then, and then after Rome, there's another kingdom that actually, aro- that actually arose or arise out of this kingdom. And then we'll see what that kingdom is. And you can even tell them, like right at this point, I would, I would actually say it. Look, the next kingdom that we're going to be at is what scholars, what everybody, even Luther, John Knox, um, describe as the Antichrist. Go ahead, brother. I considered the horns, and behold, there came up among them another little horn, before whom there were three of the first horns plucked up by the roots. And behold, in this horn were eyes like the eyes of man, and a mouth speaking great things. All right, and then verse 25. 
and he shall speak great words against the Most High, and shall wear out the saints of the Most High, and think to change times and laws, and they shall be given into his hand until the time and times and the dividing of times. All right. Thank you. All right. Right at this point, after you ended this, you're just basically, you just gave the whole background of what, what is going on. How did you arrive to this point? Okay? So there is kingdoms, kingdoms, kingdoms. They might ask, uh, how come China is never there? Have you ever wondered that? How come China is not in there? China was, was existent. Right? That's, that's one of the defendants, but we'll answer it now. They might ask, China's not in there. Well, basically, this is just talking about um, anything that relates to God's people. All right? We clear on that? All right, so at this point, that's why I stopped over here. You can choose how you want to reveal the Antichrist. Okay, have you ever seen that? They actually list all the characteristics, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and then bam, they bash that thing. And they show you that it's actually the Roman state church or the Roman papacy. All right, uh, it's up to you. And then, but what I like to do is um, I name them all. I list them, and then I describe those lists. Some people, they list one characteristics, and they, they describe it. Okay, and then we're going to do it now the way I do it. It's, it's in your preference. If you're not really confident about it, then do it the way you're being taught. Okay, so at least you'll have that confidence. So number one, Daniel chapter 7, verse 8. Let's go back there, and then we'll pick out the characteristics of this Antichrist. Remember, you told them that this little horn is what scholars, not even scholars, but people like John Luther, John Knox, John Bunyan, says that, that that is the Antichrist. All right? We good? And then, so chapter 7, verse 8, there is a little horn that came among them. That's one of the characteristics. Number two is little horn. And you can, you can go out, all out on this if you want, but I mean, just take note of your time. Because then, see, the, the thing is, if you take too much time when you're studying with someone, like this, we can cover this in 30 minutes. We can cover this in 30 minutes with someone else. But the thing is, when you're studying with someone and you, you take too much time, the next time you study with them, you know what that guy's going to be doing? He's always going to be looking at his clock. Because you wasted a lot of his time. That's what he feels. You wasted a lot of his time last time. He doesn't want you wasting any of his time this time. He just wants you to get to that point. So, you know, I'm telling you guys that because sometimes you might describe like 20 characteristics of the Antichrist and then you reveal it to them. That's going to take you like an hour. Okay, but I'm going to give you about eight, eight characteristics. So number one comes, uh, comes among them. Number two is little horn. Number three, we read in verse 25, it uproots three other horns. Number four, and that's just basically all this, okay? Well, yeah, all this. That's just basically all that, okay? But for the sake of time, we'll just go do this. Number four, and you, eyes and mouth like a man. And then number five... Uh, it speaks great things, and you kind of have to go to Revelation chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. Again, you can explain them. Revelation chapter 13, this beast is described as this little horn. If they have any problem with that, like, really? Like, how, how do I know that? 
Well, you're just going to explain this to them. Um, basically, the little horn and the beast, the same thing, the same characteristics. The little horn reigned for three and a half prophetic years. or uh, no, Actually, the Daniel describe, describes this as 1260 years. And then the beast reigned for 42 months, which is the same thing. Three and a half prophetic years. And you calculate that, it's still 1260 days. All right, are we good? All right, so that's where you go for that. It's blasphemes. Blasphemy, that's number five. Or speaking great things. Then you go here for that, which is blasphemy. And then we'll give you the verse later on for that. And then the six characteristics, which is found in Daniel chapter 7, verse 21 and 25. Uh, I'll just read that one. Daniel chapter 7, verse 21 and 25 says, oh, I'm in Daniel chapter 8. This is a different study. I beheld and the, the same horn made war with the saints and prevailed against them. And verse 25 says, and he shall speak great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints, persecuting the saints, making war against the saints. So number six, the number six characteristics is persecutes God's people. Seventh characteristic, which is in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. And he shall speak great, thing, great words against the Most High and shall wear out the saints of the Most High and think to change time and loss. To, ch to change times and loss. So it thinks that it can change Times and loss, even God's loss. So that's your seventh characteristic, thought to change God's law. Number eight, the last characteristic that we are going to try to get, which is found in Daniel chapter 7, the last part of Daniel chapter 7, verse 25, and it says, why do I keep turning to Daniel 8? Uh, and they shall be given into his hand a, until a time and times and dividing of time. Then you have to explain this to them a little bit. Times, time, I mean time, times, and dividing of time. Okay, then you have to explain it to them. Look, time plus time, which is basically two, and then half time. You add that up, 1 plus 2 equals 3, 3 and a half times. That time basically means year. Okay, year. And then you can explain to them that during Jewish times, um, their, their, their months, it's just basically they, they cut it on 30. All their months are 30. They end at 30. We don't, they don't have like 31, 29 like us. Um, Okay, and then you reveal it to them. This is, this is powerful when, when, when I first heard this. This is what got to me because I, I was a Catholic boy, you know. I wanted to be like, like the altar boy kind of, kind of guy. I wanted to be the priest, you know, kind of thing. Um, and, but, but I never understood. Why do you have to um, pray to, to a priest in order to be forgiven? You know, that kind of thing. I mean, there's, there's just stuff that I, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And then when they revealed this to me, I was like, oh, that's why. That's why it doesn't make sense. I'm in the wrong side. <laughs> All right? Okay? So then we, we tackle this now. We tackle this now. It came up among them. 
Okay, so, hmm, came up among them. What does that mean? Well, basically, then you give a little bit of history. And if you want the dates, um, I can give you the dates. Maybe after the study, I'll write them down. But um, what you call this? Rome, when it actually divided into um, ten kingdoms, when it got, when, when it broken up from within again, not from without, when Rome divided, it actually ended in 476 AD or CE, common era, for those who want it politi- politically correct. So from among them, Rome, it has to, ha- to have started after 476 AD. And then we know that this little horn, you, we're going to show them. Um, I have a bunch of quotes. I'm going to email it to you, Eric. Um, you know what? I'll put my email up too if you guys just want it right now. I'll give it to you guys. I forgot to copy them. You know, I forgot that sunset is actually earlier than, than what it used to. And so by the time that I, I wanted to make a copy and it's already sunset, I want to enjoy my union with the Lord. So I did not make the copies. But then we'll show, um, we'll show them, um, what's this? Quotes saying that the little horn actually began in 538 AD. Yes. Yeah, I'll put it up. I'll put it up. I'll put it up. I'll put it up. I got you. All right. So that's one. Oh, it fits. So, and at this point, you know, at this point, you can even, um, before you describe this, so from here, you're saying that this little horn is, this, this is the Antichrist, okay? And, and, you know, like I said, there's a lot of people that say who the Antichrist is, okay, and this and that. Well, let's check out something that, that I mean, you're going to be astounded by this. It fits. It fits, man. Like, look, David Hasselhoff got nothing on this. Barack Obama got nothing on this. This thing called Roman State Church, you can use Roman State Church to begin with. Oh, I'm sorry. Roman State Church to begin with. And then, you know, you can move on. Catholic Church, you can have them say Catholic Church if you want to. If not, you can just say it's, it's Catholic Church. People say it's Catholic, the Catholic Church, the Roman papacy. And then you describe them. All right, so one, it fits. Little horn, little, huh, little. Huh, that's odd, little. Well, you, you, you tell them, do you have internet in your house? If you don't, just get one right now, man. But, <laughs> you know, everybody has them anyways. So um, type in, you know, in Google, the smallest country in the world. And then, bam, it will give you Vatican. So Google, <laughs> smallest country, Vatican. And then you can do your, your research on this. You can do, I mean, you can study this until you have it, okay? And then it uproots three horns. Huh, that's odd, it uproots three horns. So that, does this mean that this 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 Roman papacy actually destroyed other kingdoms? Well, yes, it did. It did. It, it, it actually uprooted three other kingdoms that are opposing it. Okay? Uh, this one, I'm, I'm not sure, but most of these three kingdoms are opposing it religious-wise. They were Aryan kingdoms, Aryan states, okay, um, that it destroyed. And um, those three kingdoms are... And I'm going to name them, if I can find them, Heruli, Vandals, and Ostrogoths. See, I'm not sure. I'm still trying to study this, but I'll say it anyways. Um, the Heruli and the Ostrogoths, I believe, is opposing them um, religiously. That's why they eliminated them. But the Vandals is opposing them politically. 
That's why it's, they're called the Vandals, and that's where we got the word vandalism, because basically these people are from the north, and they, what they do is, I mean, come on, Rome, uh, their church is filled with gold. So what they like to do is they, they just go in there, hack all the golds, hence the term vandalism, and then they just leave. They vandalize things, then leave. That's why they got the name, you know, vandals. Just figure it out, you know, just, just make it enjoyable, guys. You know, make them feel that they're actually missing out on something. They're missing out on eternal life. Right? I mean, sometimes we feel like we're missing out if we're, we're, we're not in a party. We're missing out if we're not in someone's house during Saturday because we have to worship God. No, they're the ones missing out, guys. They're the ones missing out. Okay? And then eyes and mouth like a man, basically, what, what that denotes is it has a man as a leader. Well, does this kingdom has a man as a leader? It has this guy called Pope. Pope. Okay, and then blasphemy. That one we need some text. What does blasphemy mean? Well, we go to John chapter 10, verse 33, and can I have a reader? And then next one is Mark chapter 2, verse 7. And we're going to describe what this word means, blasphemy. John chapter 10, verse 33. The Jews answered him, saying, For a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, and because you, being a man, make yourself God. All right. Are we clear on that? John chapter 10, verse 33. See, they were stoning Jesus for blasphemy because what did Jesus do? According to that verse? Him, a man, saying that he is a God. Now, we know that Jesus is a God, so he wasn't blaspheming. But if let's say that Jesus was really a man, not a God, then he was blaspheming, okay? Oh, another tip. You know, when you're asking someone in regards to um, the text, like for example, um, you go to Revelation chapter 1, and it says there the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him. Like you want to ask him a question, like for, for example, all right, so who gave the revelation to Jesus Christ according to the verse? You always point them out to the verse. This way, you're going to be a good teacher. They're going to be a good student. And at the same time, you will, you will eliminate the chance of them actually saying the, the wrong thing. And that, that kind of embarrasses them if they say the wrong thing. The, won't you feel embarrassed if you like say the wrong thing? You say it out loud and it was the wrong one, right? So you're a good teacher. You're, you're helping them out. You're helping them out. And always point them to the verse. Have them read it. There is power in reading the words of God, Okay? John chapter 10, verse 10, and then Mark chapter 2, verse 7. Why does this fellow talk to us like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Okay, Mark chapter 2, verse 7 describes blaspheming as being able to forgive. And that, my friend, is what got me. That is what got me to this faith that I love so much now. <clears throat> John chapter 10, verse 33, then you read the quote. This is where, where you need the quotes, where, where you actually find um, quotes like, I actually have a quote from John Paul, 1994. That's very recent. And, and look what it says. The leader of the Catholic Church is defined by the faith, of the, vicar, by the, by faith, by the faith as the vicar of Jesus Christ. <clears throat> 
and is accepted as such by believers. The Pope is considered the man on earth who takes the place of the second person of the omnipotent God of the Trinity. Question, who is the second? Um, all right, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. He's, trying, he's basically saying he's God. All right, and then I have a lot. I'll, I'll email it to you guys. I'll email it to you guys. And then you, you bust out another quote that the Pope can actually forgive sins. And I've done that, man. Like, just, just quick share, you know. I've done that, like, confessionals. I hated it. I did not like it. And then, they, you know, after I did my confessions, the, 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 the priest told me to pray, like, 20 Our Fathers, 20, you know, their, their, their set prayers. And I never did them. And then I was like, man, dude, I'm, I'm torn. I'm going to hell, you know, that kind of thing. And then I, I learned this. That's why this is so powerful to me. I thought I was going to hell because I didn't like confession. I, I would not pray 50 prayers the same over and over and over and over again. He told me to pray like 50 Hail Marys and then 20 Our Fathers. Then your sins are forgiven. I was like, that's not the God that I know, man. The God that I know, I talk to him straight up. And then you can share this testimony to Bob, who we are studying with. And then six characteristics, persecute God's people. And then we bust out a quote that the Roman Catholic Church persecuted more people than anybody else. You can even combine them, I think. More than anybody combined. So these were relying on quotes because, I mean, we're, we're relying on history. The Bible said, that, I mean, God says and Jesus says that he will show you what's going to happen. And if it passes, then I'm God. I'm true. The Bible is true. So we're looking at history. And then thought to change time, God's laws, the same thing. Um, let me see if I can find a quote here right now. Here is what um, when Catholic claims to forgive sins found in Dignity and Duties of the Priests, volume 12, page 2. God himself is obliged to abide by the judgment of his priest and either not to pardon or to pardon according as they refuse or give absolution. The sentence of the priest proceeds and God subscribes to it. So basically they're saying they can pardon sins and stuff like that. And then they are claiming to be... God, this is not my notes, that's why I'm, I'm like fumbling around. Oh, anyways, um, let's go to thoughts. Thought to change God's law. And you know, if you guys have those old Catholic Bibles, those are amazing with the pictures, you know, the big Bibles. If you can afford one, just buy them. If, if not, just, just, I mean, bust another quote. Okay, that they actually, they actually say that they changed the Sabbath. And they're not just, they're not like secretive about it. They're just blunt about it. We change Sabbath to Sunday because we are able to do it. Because the Pope is the Vicar of Christ. Okay? And um, you just show him another quote. But like what I'm saying about the Catholic Bible, in the Catholic Bible, the big Catholic Bibles, there are pictures there. And, and, and the thing is, when they, when they write the Bible, it's still the same. You know, King James, it's just they added the, apocryph you know, the Apocrypha uh, books. Apocritical books, um, or I don't know, I murdered that word. But they added those things, all right? They added those things. Now, the thing is, in their picture, it actually says how they, they want it, okay? How they want the loss. It says there that the third commandment is actually now, you know, keep the Sunday as a Sabbath. They took out um, number two, all right? It says it there. And then in the Bible, it actually gives you the, you know, the whole Ten Commandments. It's like, oh, why is that missing? You know, you just show them, look, look at this. This is a Catholic Bible, you know. This one says something else. Something is wrong, okay? And then this one, you want Ezekiel chapter 4, verse 6, Numbers chapter 14, verse 34. I'm studying Numbers right now. Wonderful, wonderful book. 
I never thought I would like it as much. But it's basically telling us the day-to-year principle. A day equals a year. Let's read Numbers 14.34. Okay, Numbers 14.34. After the number of days in which ye search the land, even 40 days, each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities, even 40 years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. All right. It's clear. Each day becomes a year. Okay? And then you show them, okay, three and a half, you, you can multiply it, 360, which equals to 1,260 days. We have a quote from the, I think, Encyclopedia Americana. I have it. It's just, it's in there. It's for the Mark of the Beast study. Um, 1,260 days, and you will actually see, it actually says there that papacy ended in 1798, began in 538, Zero, six, you, you just subtracted. Math, use your math. You need math skills too. 1,260, it fits. 1,260. It ruled three and a half prophetic years. All right, and after this, you can have them talk like, oh man, so it fits, right? It fits. All right, now that, now, now, now that you have all that, then you, you go to the appeal. You kind of like want to land the plane. When you're, this is uh, Jay Rosario's style. Um, he says that before you end, you know, you're kind of like a pilot when you're giving someone a Bible study. You're, giving, you're taking them for a ride. But then somehow you have to land the plane. Okay? And you have to land it smoothly. Okay? You don't just, all right, man, this is the Antichrist, man. Are you going to accept it or not? Because if you don't, you're going to go to hell. That's not smooth. Okay? <laughs> you, have to, you have to actually land it smoothly. You're, you're just setting it up for the appeal. Okay, appeal. Now, what you want is, um, you, can, you can share stories if you want. You can read many books in regards to um, appeal. Mark Finley's Persua- Persuasion and also Decision. Very good books. Louis Torres has books, Gaining Decisions, I believe. Very good books. But for this, just to give you a, a sample, um, you, you go to the appeal, and your appeal goes like this. Or landing the appeal goes like this. All right, look. I know this is tough. I know this is, this is really tough. But like I said, you know, if you, in the beginning, like God's, God loves everybody. Okay? We began this study because um, we want to have eternal life. Don't you want to have eternal life? Just say, yes, man. Of course. Of course. And then, um, you know, God sometimes gives us truths. And no matter what you do with it, even if it cuts, even if it hurts, it's still the truth. Right? Like, if I throw... A rock at you, that rock is, is, no matter what, it's a rock. It hurted you. Okay? Then you go for the appeal. You say, look, God is like a surgeon. Okay, you can write this down if you want. God is like a surgeon. He cuts to heal, not to kill. So you can do this with Bob. Bob. Look, I know we, you've heard some crazy stuff. I mean, when I first heard this, it, it, it blew my mind away, you know? But, you, you know, God is like a surgeon, man. He's a surgeon. And what does a surgeon do? Well, he cuts to heal, not to kill. All right, and then you tell them, you, you, you tell them, um, so um, did, this study make, did this study make sense to you? 
was this study on the Antichrist clear? You have to make sure that, of that. You don't want to make, you, you don't want to ha, um, saying yes to an appeal and they don't understand the study. A lot of young kids actually happen. I mean, they get baptized, they don't know anything. You don't want that. That's murder. They have to die to Christ first. They have to know. They have to, okay? And then after that, you tell them, all right, and they say, yes, it's clear. All right, Bob. What would keep you from, not, from, from accepting that the Antichrist is the Roman state church? Is there anything that would keep you from accepting the fact that the Roman state church is the Antichrist? And then he's, he's going to start to think. Now you're throwing the ball at him, okay, without being like, you know, you're not describing him like, oh, I know this guy who works at the insurance company, man. He has three kids. His name is Bob. And like, he's part of the Antichrist. And because of that, he's going to hell, man. Do you want to be him or no? It's not, it's not like that. You, it's, you smooth it through, you throw the ball at him. You, you throw the ball at him. Now he's thinking. He's thinking. And when you're landing the plane, you want to fasten your seatbelt. Okay? Because now that he's thinking, he might say something that, that might blow you away. He, that, that will blow you away, you know? You got to fasten your seat. You got to hold on. You got to keep fast. Like, if, if you say, oh, man, I'm, I'm addicted to poker, you know? I'm addicted to poker. And he's going to be like, and then, you know, you can't be like, what? You're addicted to poker? And he, right there, he's going to think, oh, man, JR thinks uh, I'm a lunatic, man. I'm going to hell. You know, you got to keep your composure. And then you, you, when, when that happens, when, when they have, when they have um, oppositions, you divide them into two things, okay? When you're giving appeals. You divide them into two things. Things that you can take care of now, and this is going to take practice, a lot of practice. Things that you can take care of now and things that you can take care of later. Like, for example, if, if, if Bob's problem was, oh, man, I just can't, I, I can't, man. I can't read my Bible. I can't get up in the morning and read my Bible. I can't get up 3 a.m. in the morning to read my Bible because I work 4 a.m. Or, I mean, 5 a.m. because he's going to be late. All right, so I work 5 a.m., and I just can't get up 3 a.m. No, Bob, I mean, let's make this realistic. Do you believe that God can, over, can help you overcome your weakness? And then right then and there, now you throw it up to God. It's God's, it's God's problem. He can take care of everything. Everything's possible to God. And then when he says that, then you, you got to walk him through it. You got to walk him through it. You know, just be realistic. You can't be like, all right, tomorrow I'm going to call you at 3 a.m. sharp, okay? If you don't wake up, man, I don't know, man. No, you got to walk them through it. Look, Bob, since, since you haven't done this in a while, why, why don't we do this? Why don't we do this? We'll pick a book. We'll study it. You know, I mean, we'll just read it together. We'll pick a book. And then, like, just, you know, instead of waking up at 3 a.m. Uh, in the morning, since, you, you know, you get up at 4 a.m. anyways, why don't you wake up at 3.55 to spend five minutes reading the book? You know, kind of like to get them started up. Five minutes reading the book, and then maybe spend, like, one minute praying, and then that's it. That's, that's your devotions, man. Now, is there anything else that would keep you? And then he might say no. Then if he says that, praise the Lord, Bob. Okay, now, the thing with this is you got to explain it to him afterwards, okay? He might say, but, but like, what about my mom, man? Like, she's deceived. She's antichrist. You got to explain to them, look, the antichrist is a system. It's not an individual person. We're going to get a review on this on the Mark of the Beast. 
And then after that, and, and then, you, you know, and, but you explain to them, so yeah, it's a system, and God loves everybody. God loves the people that are in there, even the Pope that is leading it. God loves that man. Okay? There is no one else that God does not want to be with him. And then when he's, oh, yeah. See, but the thing is, there is a call in the Bible, call, God's call to his people, which are in Babylon, which are deceived in this Antichrist. All right, we have to get him out, Bob. And just because you said that you accepted this, and Bob, I want to be right next to you, calling these people out of that system. And then why don't we pray? And then you, you know, if you have them pray if, you, if they can. But if they don't know, I mean, just walk him through. Sometimes they will laugh because it's the first time that they've done that. I've, I've, I've studied with someone like that. We prayed, and he's just laughing. He's like, <laughs> you know, and, and it's, 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 I mean, it's acceptable to God, man. God winks at ignorance. Are we clear? Are we clear? All right, two defendants, really quick. Um, some people say that the Antichrist is actually not that. It's Antiochus Epiphanes. Okay, basically two things. Preterism, futurism. They say that the Antichrist is already done away with. He's done, like he, he already led. And then the other people are saying the Antichrist is going to come. It's not, it's not yet, man. The Antichrist is not here yet. No. The way to do that is Antiochus Epiphanes actually led around, I think, the Greek, when the Greeks were divided. Okay, but he only, and, he, and the thing is, he, he led for three and a half years, literal years. Okay, Antiochus Epiphanes. I'm going to write his name, Antiochus Epiphanes. All right, he le- he, and the thing is, to, to, to just slay that defendant, you tell him, look man, if we look at Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, Rome, they actually led more than three and a half years, man. And if you, if you actually check it out, this led longer than this, and this led longer than this. I mean, the Antichrist has to, lead, to, to actually lead longer than any of those. And then he's like, oh, you're right, you're right. And then another thing is, um, they say it's in the future. Well, if it's in the future, then all of a sudden you have 1,260 years that is not even mentioned in the Bible. If you follow through, it goes Babylon, and right after Babylon, yes, Middle Persia. Right after Middle Persia, Greece. There is a pattern. If you say it's in the future, you take away Rome. Are we good? All right, why don't we bow our heads? Is there any questions? So far, all right, we're good, we're good. Uh, just come up to me if you guys have any questions. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our dear heavenly loving Father, Lord, thank you so much for the light that you have given to us this afternoon. Um, something that we learned about uh, the Antichrist. And, um, oh, Father, I plead and um, beg, oh, Lord, uh, that you just help us to understand this more fully so that we can share this to others. Because, Lord, um, we started this study uh, with Jesus Christ being the life, with Jesus Christ being the only eternal life for us, oh, Lord. And um, a lot of people don't know that. And a lot of people need to get that light. And um, soon and very soon, oh Lord, we won't be able to speak like this. We won't be able to talk about um, the Roman state church as the Antichrist anymore. For We will be uh, persecuted for that and just help us to apply whatever we learned. And most especially apply it with love, the love of Christ, showing Christ 
more than anybody. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. <laughs>